You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Welcome to Dolphins Talk Weekly, your one-stop audio breakdown of all of this week's Miami Dolphins news. Now, here is your host, Kevin Good morning, Dolphins. Welcome to episode of Lucky Number 13 of Dolphins Talk Weekly. I'm your host, Kevin Dern. You can find me and follow me on Twitter at KevinMD4. You can find Dolphins Talk Weekly uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Spreaker, iTunes, Spotify. Please leave us a rating. Please leave us a review. You can comment on anything about the show or ask questions on my Twitter handle, which is at KevinMD4. This week's show is going to focus a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball as I go through my top 10 positional rankings for each defensive position with some special emphasis on how players fit in with the Miami Dolphins. We'll also go through the same exercise that I went through last week and go over who I would have on the table to draft if I was forced to draft defensive players at picks 6 and 18 in the first round. And then we'll finish up with a brief word about Peter Schrager's mock draft, uh, where he had the Dolphins selecting Rashawn Slater, which came out last week. So, jam-packed show for you today. We're going to go in-depth on some of these top 10 positional lists that I have. But first, a quick word from Manscaped. Fellas, it's mowing season out there. Just had to battle the yard after a long week of rain. Got everything done. If you need to battle a little bit with yourself and get yourself ready for prime time, please visit manscaped.com. You can use the promo code DOLPHINSTALK and you will get 20% off of your order with free shipping. Yes, free shipping. That's international shipping for free. Manscaped.com, 20% off using the promo code DOLPHINSTALK. Make sure you get everything trimmed up and ready for your main event this spring. All right. Let's dive into it, Dolphins fans, and we'll go over the top 10 positional rankings I have for rookies this year in the draft. Now, just a brief word of caution. I went through these rankings using the same lens I did for the offense. This is going to be as I see them as fits for the Dolphins' defensive scheme, not necessarily players in a vacuum, but how they fit the scheme. And this week we're going to do it a little bit differently. We're going to go 10 to 1 instead of 1 to 10. Now keep in mind, this some of these lists may not be how I would have players stacked in a board on a board in a vacuum if everything was equal. We're looking strictly at how these players at each position fit the Miami Dolphins. With that being said, let's jump right into the list. Now... We're going to start at the front seven and work our way back. And I think we have to make a clear distinction among one of the positions. I know it's basically common lexicon these days to refer to a defensive end or a 3-4 outside linebacker as an edge defender. I get it. It simplifies things. They play relatively the same roles. You just have one guy is doing it basically with no hands on the ground. That's really the only difference. They're playing some of the same techniques, same alignments, 
I get it. The Dolphins scheme is very specific in terms of how they use defensive ends and how they use outside linebackers. So what I went ahead and did is made two separate lists, a top 10 list for defensive ends. These are guys who are going to be playing the same roles that we saw Emmanuel Ogba and Shaq Lawson play last year. I also made a top 10 list of edge linebackers. These are going to be guys that played primarily the role that we saw Andrew Van Ginkle and Kyle Van Noy play. Now, Kyle Van Noy is a little bit different because about 30% of his snaps came off the ball. And I do have a separate category for off-ball linebackers. So just to give you an example, you're not going to hear Zaven Collins in the edge linebackers list. I don't think that's what his fit would be for the Miami Dolphins. So if you don't hear a big name in these first two lists, which are going to be defensive ends and edge linebackers, don't worry. I've probably got them stacked up in the off-ball linebackers category or somewhere else along the line. Now, enough talk. Without further ado, let's dive in the top 10 defensive ends. So, number 10, and this one's a little bit under the radar in my opinion. I don't see too many people talking about him, but Chauncey Golston out of Iowa. Now, I know last year everybody was looking at A.J. Epinesa and all that film. Chauncey Golston tended to pop more for me than A.J. Epinesa did. Now, here's my take on him. He's not flashy. He produces... I think he's probably a day three guy. Maybe he's an undrafted free agent, but he's got good size, good length. He seems to have a pretty good high football IQ. I think what he's lacking is that elite explosiveness that you'd like to see off the line, that ability to really jolt defenders and rock them back and set a hard edge. But I think that's something that Miami's coaches can work with on with individual players. So number 10, Chauncey Golston from Iowa. Number nine, this one is a potential potential based player. He's not going to be picked high based on production. He's going to be picked very high in the draft based on his potential and his athleticism, and that is Jason Owe from Penn State. Now, the first note I have on him is his potential outweighs his production. At this point, he's more of an athlete than a football player. He did not have a single sack in 2020. But you go back and you look at his 2019 tape, and he was a very weak run defender. He improved his run defense greatly in 2020. But he just doesn't have that consistent pass rush plan. He doesn't know how to use his hands yet. You're basically drafting an athlete and trying to mold him into a football player. Now, he could very well be in line for the pick at 18 or 36, or maybe if the Dolphins trade down from 18 into the 20s. And they really want to to try and build on that potential. I would understand it. I get it. Kid scares me to death. That's what happened with Deion Jordan. I don't want to see that happen again. Though I do think Miami's coaching staff this time around is much, much, much better than Joe Philbin's coaching staff. Number eight, Peyton Turner from the University of Houston. The first note I have is actually a player comp. To me, he seems a lot like Dietrich Wise, who... If you're a Dolphins fan, you obviously know that name from him being in New England. I put Dietrich Wise with more speed. He's got length. He's got pretty good change of direction fill, change of direction skills for a guy his size. I think he's 
someone who might be able to reduce inside and play some 4-I or some 3 technique the way Emmanuel Ogba does, the way Dietrich Wise does. Don't know if he's going to be a first or second rounder. I kind of have him as a a third round grade, but I would expect to see him go on night two of the draft. Number seven, Jonathan Cooper from Ohio State. He's a long, wiry guy, has a really good first step, really good inside move. He really improved his get off and his speed from 2019 to 2020. If you remember, he took a red shirt after the Michigan game in 2019 and did not play in the postseason for Ohio State. He's a little bit stiff in terms of his lateral agility, and you have some question marks about his run defense, but I think there's a good athlete and a good football player there, more so than Jason Owe. Uh, but I think Jason Owe probably gets drafted first by a considerable amount just based on his athletic potential. But I think Cooper comes in with a, a better floor which is a better fit for the Dolphins. Number six, Cameron Sample from Tulane. He's got a really nice burst. He's got decent hands, good hand strength. He's got experience playing defensive tackle, so he is a guy that you can reduce inside and play some of those three, four, and four-eye techniques. He's got excellent change of direction skills. I would go back and recommend you watch his game against Ohio State. I want to say that was in 2018. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think the thing that you kind of wonder a little bit about is the length and the production. It seems like it should all be there for him on tape. Just doesn't have that prototypical length that they're looking for. But he's an interesting guy I would kind of earmark for the Dolphins. My player at pick number five probably isn't going to get drafted till day three at this point because of an injury. But Dio Odingbo from Vanderbilt, long, strong, he can play inside. Kind of gives me the Emmanuel Ogba vibe. He's You're going to have to work with him on a pass rush plan and his hand usage. Um, you know, is he explosive? He seems to kind of not have that first step there. Sometimes he's a little late off the ball. And then during his training, he tore his Achilles. So I don't know if he's even going to be able to play this year. But perhaps that's a guy that you look at and stash on day three that pays dividends down the road for you. So those are 10 through 5. The top four, you can probably guess them by now. Number four is Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. He's long. He has burst all over the place. He's got the ability to play inside. A lot of his sacks actually came from tighter alignments to the ball. Um, The thing that, that kind of worries me is he really only played one season of college football. Everyone knows that. What's his pass rush plan? You know, he needs to work with his hands. He needs to work on setting up counter moves, you know, rather than just being kind of a run around or run through a gap type of guy. And with this pass rush class, I'll just say it now, there is no Chase Young. There is no Miles Garrett. A lot of these guys are going to need work with their pass rush plans. Number three, Carlos Basham from Wake Forest. He's a big, strong, physical run defender. Able to bend, has some quickness to him, but the one thing I've noticed about him is sometimes he tends to play too high, and he does make a lot of hustle plays, um, but in, in Miami, in this defense, you have to do your job right off the bat. You have to be able to set the edge. You have to be able to get upfield at times. You've got to be able to do that suddenly and with power. That's kind of the one question mark I have, 
but it wouldn't surprise me if he's pretty high on Miami's board. Now, players number two and player number one, I think you could flip-flop. Number two for me is Jalen Phillips. Now, my note about him is I think that he's probably the best all-around player right now, meaning run defense and pass defense. He's got pretty good hands. He's got a good pass rush plan. But for me in Miami's defense, he's a pure edge player. I don't know that he's got that physicality to play inside. I don't know that you'd want to put him in that Kyle Van Noy role where he's got coverage responsibilities. I don't think that's the best use of him. I think he's a pure defensive end, kind of in the sense that they had Shaq Lawson last year. Now, obviously, there's a pretty thick medical file on him with the wrist injury, the concussions, the reason he left UCLA. You've got to be comfortable with all that. But for me, he's a top 25 pick. Should be, unless the medical comes back really negative. I think he would be a great fit in this defense if you can keep him as a pure edge. If you're sitting there trying to reduce him inside and play three technique in some of these diamond packages we've talked about, I don't know that that's the best use of him. However, player number one, who is Quiddy Pay from Michigan, you can use him like that. And one of my, my early notes was you kind of get a Trey Flowers vibe from him. Now, keep in mind, Trey Flowers was 6'2", 270, and had ridiculously long arms for someone who's 6'2". I think he had like 34 and a half or 35-inch arms. Quiddy Pay does not. I think his are 33. But... Pay is a very strong, powerful, he's an out-of-the-box edge run defender. That's the number one thing. He can set the edge. He can play the run well. He's not going to have that desired length that Miami likes. And some of his explosive metrics, the broad jump, vertical jump, some of the, the shuttle yards, the three-cone drill, not all those times kind of jive with some of the players they've picked. But I think... His floor is the highest in terms of what Miami wants to do. You could play him like Trey Flowers, in my opinion. You could play him on the edges of five. You can play him as a wide five. You can play him out at nine. You can play him over a tight end in a six technique. You can probably get away with moving him inside on third downs and having him rush over the center in a zero. New England did that a lot with Trey Flowers when Brian Flores was there. You can use him to rush as a three technique in my opinion, and make some hay there. If you've watched Michigan, and I live in Big Ten country, I've seen him play quite a bit, the pass rush plan is not all the way there. I think that's something you're going to have to work with. Right now, it's just kind of, I'm going to run right at you, bull rush you, and hope something good happens. I'm really big, I'm really strong, I'm physical, but I don't have counter moves. I don't know how to set up moves. I don't know how to break inside and cross-chop my way back out across your face with regular consistency. That's what you're going to have to work with. I think Jalen Phillips comes in a little more polished in that regard, but Jalen Phillips is not as good of a run defender on the edge as Quiddy Pay. But I think both of those guys, Pay and Phillips, should be front and center on the radar at pick 18. We'll talk about that more in a minute. So that's my top 10 defensive ends. Again, from 10 to 1, Chauncey Golston from Iowa, Jason Owe from Penn State, Peyton Turner from Houston, Jonathan Cooper from Ohio State, Cameron Sample from Tulane, Daya Odingbo from Vanderbilt, Gregory Rousseau from Miami, Carlos Basham from Wake Forest, Jason Phillips from Miami, and Quiddy Pay from Michigan. Now, moving along to the edge linebackers. These are the guys that are going to be stand-up edge rushers. 
three, four teams are going to be after them. Miami and New England, that type of defense uses an edge linebacker as a pass rusher quite a bit. We saw Andrew Van Ginkle take on that role last year and thrive. We may see him kind of move to the Kyle Van Noy role. So it wouldn't surprise me if one of these guys was drafted to sort of replace Andrew Van Ginkle's role. I've also included guys here who could possibly play that Kyle Van Noy role where you're off the ball a little bit. So let's get into it. 10 through 6. Number 10 is Chris Rumpf from Duke. Number 9, Hamilcar Rashid from Oregon State. Number 8, Dalen Hayes from Notre Dame. Dalen Hayes is an interesting one. I really like Notre Dame's scheme defensively, and I think he has experience playing with his hand in the dirt as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if they drafted him you know, later on and he played either edge linebacker or defensive end or both. You know, To me, he's more of the finished product in what they were looking for when they drafted Curtis Weaver last year. That was kind of a throwaway roll of the dice pick and hope we get lucky. There were some questions about Curtis Weaver that I think got answered pretty quickly in a negative sense in training camp. I don't think you'll have those negative answers for Dalen Hayes. Number seven, Ellerson Smith from Northern Iowa. We all saw him kind of blow up at the Senior Bowl. Very intriguing guy. If there's one guy that kind of reminds me of Jason Taylor a little bit, it's Ellerson Smith. Number six, Joe Tryon from Washington. Has good length, good size. To me, he's pretty developed in terms of his hand usage and where to go. I think that Washington scheme didn't do him a lot of favors. There's a ton of three-man rushes that they have. You'd love to see him get some more work, kind of doing some of those looping and twist pass rush games that we saw Andrew Van Ginkle do at Wisconsin that we see in the Dolphins' scheme every Sunday. There's just not a lot of that on the field. Number five, and this is a bit of a conversion project, is Quincy Roche from Miami. You know, he doesn't have the the big size that you see with Jalen Phillips, Gregory Rousseau, Basham, Pay, those guys. He's a little bit smaller. I think he's a heck of an athlete. He's got a nice burst and ability to bend off the edge. But you'd have to teach him some of the wider techniques and some of the coverage aspect of this defense. Um, but that being said, if you're looking for a straight edge linebacker who's going to mostly rush the passer, I think Quincy Roche is a fairly safe conversion project. Number four, kind of in that same vein, and I think he'll get drafted much earlier than the guy at three, possibly even earlier than the guy I have at two on this list, but I have him at four because of the conversion, and that's Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma. Again, kind of the same deal as Quincy Roche, just with a little bit more size. You're going to have to work with him in terms of coming up with a better pass rush plan in his hand usage. You've probably heard that ad nauseum at this point, but you can say it for pretty much everyone in this draft class. Number three, I think this one has special appeal to the Dolphins because of his versatility and experience playing multiple positions, and that's Baron Browning from Ohio State. He's got off-ball linebacker experience. Pretty good size at 6'3", 245. That's a little bit heavier than Andrew Van Ginkle, not quite as tall or as long. But he's got good size, good play strength. He was a little bit of a disappointment early on 
in his career at Ohio State because they wanted him to win that middle linebacker job, and Tough Borland kept beating him out. I think they finally found a true home for him as sort of a rush sandbacker this past season. And then in the Senior Bowl, you got to see him play a little bit more on the edge instead of as an overhanger off-ball defender like we saw at Ohio State. And he did a really nice job doing that. So when you combine all those elements, you kind of have that raw ball of clay to mold. But if there was going to be one person that's kind of able to do everything that Kyle Van Noy can do, Baron Browning is, is a pretty good shout for that. Number two on my list is Joseph Osai from Texas. He's a player I've liked for a long time. He's got experience playing as a middle linebacker in a 3-3 defense that Texas ran, which is a terrible defense for them. But he's got experience doing stuff in the middle. He can play B-gap to B-gap and stop the run. Now, in 2019, Texas fired their defensive coordinator before the bowl game. His replacement put Joseph Osai on the edge, and he had a ridiculously good game. I can't believe, I can't remember who that was against. I want to say Georgia. And just lit the world on fire. Played on the edge this year, and other than some bad tape against Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, played really well. He's got really nice size. He's 6'4", about 250, 255. If there's a guy who could possibly kind of be a one-for-one clone of Dante Hightower, I think Joseph Osai is a good candidate. I think he's a little bit raw in terms of the edge-setting stuff, but it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being a top 25 pick at some point, or at some point on draft night, hearing his name in the top 25. I think he has extra value for Miami. Number one, and in my opinion, the best pure pass rusher in this class is Georgia's Aziz Ojolari. Really strong hands. He's heavy-handed. He knows how to cross-chop. That's his number one move. Um, Pretty good run defender. He's a little bit undersized, 6'2", a shade under 250. But I think with his length, you can get away with playing him there in kind of that same Andrew Van Ginkle role. I think the question is, is does Miami want to keep Andrew Van Ginkle where he's at, or do you want to try and move him to the other side and play like Kyle Van Noy did on the strong side? But to me, Aziz Ojolari and Quiddy Pay, those are the top two guys I would have at pick 18 with Jalen Phillips, a not very distant second. I think he's just a step below, and most of that's because of the medical. So there you have it, my top 10 defensive ends, top 10 edge linebackers. Again, the edge linebackers from 10 to 1. Chris Rumpf from Duke, Hamilcar Rashid from Oregon State, Dalen Hayes from Notre Dame, Ellerson Smith from Northern Iowa, Joe Tryon from Washington, Quincy Roche from the U, Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma, Baron Browning from Ohio State, Joseph Osai from Texas, and Aziz Ojolari from Georgia tops my list. Defensive tackles. Now... When you're looking here, you're looking for either big, dense, strong three techniques like Christian Wilkins. You're looking for massively strong, powerful, road-grading nose tackles like a Vince Wolfork, which is really only one in this class, and he's not even anywhere near as good as Vince Wolfork was. Or you're looking for big, long guys who can play anywhere from a zero out to like a four technique like a Raekwon Davis. So... And then I also have included some guys on this list that could potentially play that big end role for Miami in this defense, and I'll make sure I note them. Number 10, 
I think he might get a little bit overdrafted because of the season he had. That's Tommy Togiai from Ohio State. Kind of like Baron Browning was really quiet his first couple years until this season. And I, I wonder how much of his breakout is more due to the fact that he played next to Haskell Garrett, who should be a really high pick in the 2022 draft. He's returning to Ohio State. But Tommy Togiai, you know, big, strong kid, can play anywhere from the one to the three. In my opinion, he's a day three guy, but he might be a steal on day three. Number nine is Tyler Shelvin from LSU. He is the one big, true nose tackle type that would remind you of a Vince Wilfork. Personally, I liked Jordan Davis from Georgia better in that same role, but Jordan Davis opted to go back to Georgia, so we'll see him next year as well. Shelvin, in my opinion, you know, he's going to be great for what he is, but how high do you draft that resource? Especially in Miami's case, given that you're playing so many defensive back heavy packages in the game. You know, are you spending a third round pick on a guy that's only going to play 12 snaps a game? To me, that's not a great value. I would rather take a, a stab at the guy at number eight, Osa Adigizua from UCLA, who had a really nice week at the Senior Bowl. Um, he might be able to play some more on the field for you as a three technique, and you can also try and bulk him up to play over the nose. Number seven, Jalen Twyman from Pitt. I feel like Pitt has a bunch of good defenders every year now, just kind of the same old story. We'll talk about some more Pitt defenders as we go on. Number six, this would be my top guy if you're looking for a, a true nose tackle. He's not really as big as a Vince Wilfork, but I think he plays with a lot more strength and power, and he's more versatile than Tyler Shelvin, and that is Aleem McNeil from North Carolina State. Again, North Carolina State always seems like they have a couple defensive linemen every every year or two. Number five is Jay Tufeli from USC. And then starting at number four, we get into a run of guys who might be able to play that big end spot. Milton Williams from Louisiana Tech had the ridiculous pro day. He might be a guy that could be a fit for the big end spot with Miami's defense. Number three, Excuse me. Number three, Davion Nixon from Iowa. To me, he's a three technique in Miami's defense through and through. Number two, Levi and Wuzurike from Washington. Another guy who could play as a big end in this scheme. He's got a very nice suddenness to the ball. Kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, a Geno Atkins um, in terms of his quickness off the ball. But again, that Washington scheme is kind of funky. A lot of three-man rushes, a lot of him rushing out wide, so he does have experience doing that. A little bit undersized for a defensive tackle in the NFL, but he plays with enough power that I think you could could get away with that in a certain system. I think for Miami, he's strictly a defensive end, a big end. And then number one is Christian Barmore from Alabama. You know, kind of the same deal as like Christian Wilkins. You could play him anywhere from a zero out to like a five, and he'll fit right into this defense. I think Miami's pretty rock solid with defensive tackles with Raquan Davis, Christian Wilkins, Adam Butler, John Jenkins, Zach Sealer, who I, I think might play some more at defensive end this year like he did last year, maybe more snaps there. Hard for me to see them drafting at a defensive tackle unless someone falls of, of good value to day three. Now here we get into the off-ball linebackers. So... I will add the caveat, they are not included on this list because I already included them in the edge linebackers list, but I think it would be appropriate if you wanted to list Joseph Osai 
and Baron Browning on this list as well. But my top 10, and this the first one is a bit of a project, is Justin Hilliard from Ohio State. Now, he was a six-year senior, had a lot of medical hardships at Ohio State. What does he do really well, though, is special teams. I think he's a guy that you could draft to kind of be that special teams linebacker, maybe give Duke Riley a run at a roster spot, and then develop him over time, potentially to be that Landon Roberts type of middle linebacker if he stays healthy. Same deal with number nine in terms of position fit. That's Cameron McGrone from Michigan. A little bit undersized for what Miami likes in those middle linebackers, but McGrone, very, very good player in terms of flowing to the ball, sees what he hits, good tackler in space, like the way he plays, just wish he was a little bit more powerful in terms of getting through the, the wash. Number eight is Chas Surratt from North Carolina. Um, good player, great athlete, uh, fun player to watch, has sideline to sideline range, a bit like Jerome Baker to me in this defense. Number seven, again, another Jerome Baker type player, that's Monty Rice. Very quick guy. The first time I watched Georgia play, I mistook him for being a safety because of how quickly he ran up the field blocking on an interception. Realized he was a linebacker. Speedy guy. Um, not sure what his fit would be in the Dolphins system other than playing the way Jerome Baker does. So I have him a little further down the board, but I think for a team like a a Seattle or a Minnesota, someone who runs that um, under scheme, he might be a lot higher. Number six is Dylan Moses from Alabama. Um, again, I don't think he was the, the type of player he was before the injury you kind of have to make that projection to see how he would be a year from now or another year removed from the the ACL. Um, You know, just doesn't strike me as as being as good as like Ruben Foster was coming out. So I feel comfortable with him at six on the list. Number five is Pete Warner from Ohio State. (sighs) Kind of an odd fit for Miami's defense. You'd kind of have to play him in, in the role that you basically brought in Benardrick McKinney to play. And Werner, probably more of a coverage specialist than anything else. But he's a very smart player, very good at tracking to the ball, good tackler, has some special teams value for you. So that's 10 through 5. The top four, you probably know these names. Number four for me is Nick Bolton from Missouri. B-gap to B-gap run defender, but he's better all around than Raekwon McMillan was. You can trust him a little more in coverage. You can trust him to play a little more sideline to sideline in the run game, and he will pop you. Even though he's not as big as Raekwon McMillan, he will pop you. Number three is Jameen Davis from Kentucky. For this one, I would just simply defer you to the video that Brett Coleman put out. I think it was under his five underrated star players or something like that on YouTube. He talks a lot about Jameen Davis. Great size, kind of reminds me of a Jamie Collins as does the player at number two, who also shares that name. We'll get to him in a minute. But Jameen Davis, good tackler, plays well in space. Again, with Bernardrick McKinney in the fold, I don't know how high he would be on Miami's board. Number two, I I think I'll catch a lot of heat for this one, would be Zaven Collins. He would scare the daylights out of me at pick 18. And I realize Miami may really like him. He does remind me a lot of Jamie Collins. He's excellent in space. Almost reminds me of kind of an Anthony Barr type. Um, watched several games of his this year. Did not really see him ever set the edge. 
and I see a lot of people keep calling him an edge linebacker. All I ever really saw him do was kind of make an outside rush move off the edge. Now, Tulsa's scheme, a little bit funky as well. A lot of weird 3-3, fronts where he's in coverage, he's an overhang player. I just have a hard time picturing that fit, and that's probably a me thing rather than a Zayvon Collins thing. I think he would be great at sort of that off-ball, middle linebacker type of role, but you just went out and traded for Bernardrick McKinney. So the question is, is if you draft him, where are you playing him? Where are you playing McKinney? Neither one of those guys can really set the edge the way Kyle Vannoy did, so there's a bit of a projection there with both. And that's why I have him at number two versus number one, which is Micah Parsons. Now, to me, Micah Parsons is not an edge linebacker either. I think he's a through-and-through, off-ball middle linebacker with good blitz ability. You can probably do some creative things and make him a weak side edge rusher like Miami did last year with Jerome Baker. Watch Baker in the Kansas City game, and they shifted him to that weak side defensive end, outside linebacker side, and it worked pretty well. I think you could do some stuff with Micah Parsons that way. Interestingly, I think if you did take Micah Parsons, you could probably pencil him in as more of that middle linebacker guy. And if you're creating those top four linebacker roles like you did in New England, you would probably pencil him in for where Kyle Van Noy played, which was more of an off-ball middle linebacker. You could probably try and shift McKinney to that Dante Hightower edge role. Andrew Van Ginkle would stay the same as that edge linebacker like a John Simon, and Elaine Roberts would play Elaine and Roberts' role. But that does leave the odd man out with Jerome Baker. So I kind of question how they would do that. There, there's got to be another domino to fall if you take Parsons or Collins or Davis or Bolton, really any of these guys in this area. And we'll talk about that more when we cover the who I would draft at 6 and 18 positions. Now, here we go into the defensive backfield corners. We'll go 10 to 1. We'll go through these a little more quickly because I don't know that Miami has a great need at corner given that they have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones and spent a first-rounder on Noah Igbenogany, signed Justin Coleman, and still have Nick Needham. So we'll fly through these a little bit. Cameron Bynum from California is number 10. Paulson Adebo from Stanford is number 9. Tyson Campbell from Georgia, number 8. Eric Stokes from Georgia, number 7. Elijah Molden from Washington, although I think he's probably a top two slot corner. Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State might be the best slot corner, although I think I agree with Asante himself, and I would play him on the outside. Make him prove that he can't play outside before you move him inside. Number four, if not for the back injury, I would have Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech higher up the list. Probably at, I don't know. I'd probably rework the list if Caleb Farley was fully healthy. Number three, Greg Newsom from Northwestern. Number two for me is J.C. Horn. I think he's got the highest ceiling, but I think number one is Patrick Sertan, the second from Alabama. I think he's the safer player, more polished already. And I think both of those guys would be front and center on Miami's radar, and maybe they are, if they didn't have both Xavier Howard and Byron Jones already. And we'll talk about them more in a minute. So the corners, again, 
from 10 to 1. Cam Bynum from California. Paulson Adebo from Stanford. Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes from Georgia. Elijah Molden from Washington. Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State. Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. Greg Newsom from Northwestern. J.C. Horn from South Carolina. Patrick Sertan II from Alabama. Into the safeties. Now this name, that number 10, James Wiggins from Cincinnati. Bit of an underrated guy. Battled an injury in 2019 for UC. Came back in 2020. Not sure he's a great scheme fit for the Dolphins. But he's a pretty good player not a lot of people talk about. Um, I think if you were going to take him, you'd probably play him as that Deron Harmon role in a split safety, which is kind of what Brandon Jones has done when he's not lined up in the box or as an overhang defender. So kind of a dicey fit based on what they already have on the roster, but really good player. Um, Intriguing fit. I don't know that he goes day two, but might be one of the best players available on day three. Number nine, DeMar Hamlin from Pittsburgh. We heard Brian Flores single him out after one of the senior bowl practices. Kind of a do-everything player in the mold of Brandon Jones. Never hurts to have too many of those guys. But again, based on what you have on the roster, kind of a sketchy fit for me, unless you're trying to add more competition. Number eight is Josh Bledsoe from Missouri. Really good split safety, in my opinion. Could play some more free safety than strong. Um, we're going to talk about his running mate here in a little bit, one of my favorite players in the draft. But Josh Bledsoe, very good in his own right. Number seven, Paris Ford from Pittsburgh. Um, another free safety type. I don't know that he's got the requisite speed that you would want to have in Miami's defense where you're playing a lot of single high, middle of the field safety looks. But again, just another good player. Number six, kind of the same deal in terms of the speed. Richard LeCount from Georgia. Number five is Javon Holland from Oregon. I view him more like a cover safety, and you might be able to get away with playing him as a slot safety, almost a man-to-man matchup player. I kind of wrote down Deron Harmon role for him as well. Um, You know, really good player. Catches a lot of... Plays out of the break. Really good jump on the ball. Didn't notice too many reps of him playing single high. So kind of a harder projection fit for me. Number four, this one was a little bit easier, is Richie Grant from UCF. I think if you want a dead ringer for Bobby McCain, Richie Grant is the second best guy that you could get in this draft at that role. Number three, Hamza Nizrildeen from Florida State. I think you could play him as a free safety because he's a freak athlete. I think you could play him at strong safety because he's a freak athlete. Um, You could really do a lot of things with him. Um, Another player I really like is Nizril Dean. Number two, probably my favorite safety in the entire draft. And if you're Miami, if you're thinking down the road and saying, okay, you know, Eric Rose contract's going to be due pretty soon. You know, do we want to re-sign him or do we want to try and find someone that we could groom to kind of replace him in that role and maybe do some more? Number two safety is Tyree Gillespie from Missouri. Now with Gillespie, I would just say watch his game against Alabama. Does a little bit of everything. Tracks down Jalen Waddle on a reverse for a loss. Stands up Najee Harris not once but twice at the goal line in goal-to-go run situations. Um, covered Kyle Pitts in the Florida game a handful of snaps in man-to-man. 
gave up one catch for nine yards. That was it. Can really do a lot of different things. I think in Miami's defense, you could play him down in the box like Brandon Jones. You could play him as a tight end coverage specialist like Eric Rowe. You could play him middle of the field like Bobby McCain. He can do all those roles, but I don't think he's a specialist in any one of them. But he's just a really fun player to watch, and I would love to see what Brian Flores could do with him. My number one safety is Trayvon Mooring from Tennessee, or TCU, not Tennessee, TCU. He'd be the number one like-for-like replacement if you're looking to replace Bobby McCain. I don't necessarily think the Dolphins are looking to replace Bobby McCain. I've heard that they love him. He had a fantastic season last year and still under contract. Um, be very interesting to see what they would do, though, if Morg is on the board at 18. So, again, we'll run through the safeties from 10 to 1. James Wiggins from Cincinnati, DeMar Hamlin from Pitt, Josh Bledsoe from Missouri, Paris Ford from Pitt, Richard LeCount from Georgia is 6, Javon Holland from Oregon is 5, Richie Grant from UCF is 4, Hamza Nizrildin from Florida State is 3, Tyree Gillespie from Missouri is 2, and Trayvon Morig from TCU is number 1. That concludes my defensive player rankings as such. Now, drafting defense, if we had to do the same exercise and I had to pick a player at 1-6 and 1-18, it's a little bit tougher this year because there isn't a clear-cut high-level defender. There's not Chase Young. There's not Miles Garrett. There's not a Jalen Ramsey in this class. So based on Miami's scheme, I think the target I would look for if I had to pick a defensive player at six is Pat Sertan the second. I think he's the safest bet to succeed based on how good he was in college and how he would fit into this scheme. But that being said, I don't think Miami's in a position to draft a corner without some sort of other domino falling, that being a trade of either Xavier Howard or Byron Jones, which at this point I highly doubt is happening. I've heard through the grapevine that Miami has no interest in trading either, that they love both players, so I think any type of trade would have to be initiated by either player, which at this point in time does not seem likely to me, but who knows. With this front office, all bets are off the table. Micah Parsons, we already talked about it. To me, he's not an edge linebacker. He's an off-ball linebacker. Miami just traded for Benardrick McKinney. So there's less of a need there, which lessens the value, in my opinion, unless you also try and plan on moving Jerome Baker. Now, again, I've heard a lot that Miami really likes Jerome Baker. I think he's a very interesting player in this scheme because you can do a lot of different things with him. So I don't know if there's a trade to be had. And, you know, it's just... It's intriguing to think of a tandem of Parsons and McKinney, but, and if you do that, I think it lessens the need to try and find a like-for-like replacement for Kyle Van Noy because of what you can do creatively in terms of your scheme. Um, But to me, there's just not a lot, there's just not a great value for a defender at 1-6. At 118, I think there's a lot more flexibility. If either of those, if either Pat Sertan or Micah Parsons is on the board, you have to consider it. I think J.C. Horn... If he's on the board, you have to consider it, again, with the caveat that there's still got to be another domino to fall at corner. We already talked about the edge players. You know, Quiddy Pay kind of gives me Trey Flowers vibes, but I think there's more potential for him to be developed as a pass rusher. 
Jalen Phillips, I think, is certainly someone that merits consideration there if you're comfortable with the medical. If you really want to try and develop someone, I think Gregory Rousseau should be in consideration there. I personally would consider Carlos Basham there. I don't know that Miami would. I think they'd probably try and wait on him just because Gregory Rousseau is is kind of a unicorn with his size and his length. I think you could try and turn him into a Jadeveon Clowney type of player and be successful there. And then I mentioned it again. I think Trayvon Morig is a very interesting player there. But to me, safeties always kind of tend to fall. And with Miami, we've seen them convert two corners into safeties at this point. So maybe they're more interested in that route. You know, we'll have to see. But I I definitely think pick six is going to be an offensive player. And I think it's going to be one of the four between Jamar Chase of LSU, Kyle Pitts of Florida, or the two Bama receivers, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. I think pick 18, all bets are off. I think if Horn, Sertan II, Parsons, Pay, Phillips are there, you've got to consider it. It wouldn't surprise me if they looked at Carlos Bastrom. As much as I would be scared of it, it wouldn't surprise me if they looked at Zayvon Collins. So that's where I sit in terms of picks 6 and 18. And then the last thing I wanted to touch on was the Peter Schrager mock draft. I got to listen to my good buddy Travis Wingfield. He does the Drive Time podcast for the Dolphins themselves. And he had Peter Schrager on earlier this past week and talked about his 1.0 mock draft. Now, Peter Schrager said that he basically kind of uses this as almost like a, a rough draft, a networking piece to try and glean more information from around the NFL. Now, I know everybody likes to say that their team doesn't leak information. And I'm pretty sure the Dolphins don't leak information to people on Twitter and people who have, you know, blogs and things of that nature. They certainly don't leak information to me. But I think there are people around the NFL and some of those major media outlets that do get more information, like a Peter Schrager. Now, we saw the pick for Miami he had at 1-6 being Rashawn Slater. You know, someone tipped him off at some point that's that connected Rashawn Slater to Miami. It's a mock draft. You don't have to roast the guy on Twitter. You know, he's doing this based on information he's gotten in good faith. And he came out and said on Travis's podcast, and I, I commend Travis for getting this information out of Peter Schrager, that he uses his mock 2.0 draft, which is going to come out next week or this week as you listen to this podcast as it'll be out Monday uses this draft as more of an accuracy mock draft so if you're going to pay attention to the mock draft of Peter Schrager look at this one as opposed to the Rashawn Slater pick you know he talked a lot on the episode with Travis about the media consensus that there's a a big drop off from Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts down to Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell And I saw a tweet today from Peter Schrager, which was on Sunday, that he actually had Jalen Waddell as his third receiver off the board ahead of Devontae Smith. So maybe that's where Miami's leaning in terms of of wanting a receiver. Then we also had him saying there was a nice drop-off after Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater to the next group of offensive tackles, you know. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if Chris Greer had eyes for a guy like Tevin Jenkins at 18 
or another Bama player in Alex Leatherwood at 18. It just wouldn't. So I think there's a bunch of different ways they can go. And I think Peter Schrager's mock this week is going to be a lot more telling than the Rashawn Slater at six. But if there is a tackle, whether it's Sewell or Slater at six, I think we have to get very used to the notion that Miami might be looking to address offensive line even more than we thought as a fan base and earlier than we thought as a fan base. But again, it's a mock draft. No reason to go after the guy on Twitter. So that's it for this episode. Next week's episode, you, we will talk about draft scenarios, trades, anything like that related to the draft. If you have questions, hit me up on Twitter at KevinMD4. If you have an idea for an X's and O's segment, we've got a couple episodes now without one. So please hit me up. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. And a special thank you to everyone who read my Defensive Free Agents Review article. The feedback was great on that. Thank you to everyone who who read it. I appreciate it. It means a lot. I'm currently working on an Offensive Free Agent Review. I hope to have that up by the end of this week. Had a little technical snafu here over the weekend and had to restart the article a little bit. Um, Things happen when you have a one-year-old running around and you forget to turn your laptop off. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. You can check that piece out on DolphinsTalk.com later this week. Until then, fins up. Enjoy your week.